Thank you for listening to City Awakening Podcast. City Awakening is a gospel-centered church located in East Orlando that plants new churches, striving to be a multicultural, multi-generational church. For more information about City Awakening, follow us on social media or visit www.cityawakening.org. If you are a first-time guest with us today, welcome. We're glad you're here. Make sure you stop by our guest services 10 after the service. We have a gift for you. It's our way of saying thank you for coming to worship with us today. We want to let you know that we are in a teaching series right now that we're calling The Story, where we are going through the biblical narrative from the very beginning in Genesis 1 to the last amen in Revelation 22. And today's text, we are going to study Psalm 73, which is all about doubt. It's about doubt. And I think this is a great message for Mother's Day because mothers often wrestle with doubt. A lot of you are mothers here, you know, you you wrestle with doubt sometimes on a daily basis. Some of you, as mothers, right, you, you doubt whether or not you're doing a good enough job at raising your children. You maybe doubt whether or not you're doing a good enough job at prepping your children for life and for the realities of life, to be able to face the realities of the world. I know a lot of empty nesters, a lot of parents who have released their children in the world, that's one of the things that they wrestle with. They wonder, have I done enough to pour into my child as I see them off to college, as I see them off to life? Some of you moms may even be wrestling with doubt when it comes to, are you reflecting Jesus to your children in a good enough way? Are you modeling Christ to them? Are you leading them to Christ? And you know what? That often can lead to feelings of guilt in your own relationship with Jesus, When you feel like you're not reflecting Christ to them enough or pointing them to Jesus, you can feel guilt in your own relationship with Jesus. Psalm 73 is a great message for Mother's Day because mothers often wrestle with doubt. But the truth is, everybody wrestles with doubt. At some point in your life, whether you are a believer or you are a skeptic, you're going to wrestle with doubt, especially when it comes to facing hardships in life. It can happen in moments where maybe you don't get into the college you had hoped to, or maybe you don't get the job or the career that you had hoped for. It can happen when the cancer test comes back positive or the pregnancy test comes back negative for a second time, for a third time, maybe for a fourth. It can happen when you feel like you're doing everything right in life, but everything seems to be going so wrong. You know, these are when the doubts start to creep in. This is when we're like, you know, Lord, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why didn't you prevent these hardships from happening to me? Why aren't you answering my prayers? Doubt is the reason why some of you became skeptics. Doubt is the reason why some of you have stopped reading your Bible. Doubt is the reason why some of you have stopped praying, have stopped hoping, have stopped trusting in the Lord like you used to. Everybody faces doubt in their life. And so today we are going to study Psalm 73 to gain a better understanding of doubt, but not only to gain a better understanding of doubt, but also to see a a healthy way, a good way for us to be able to navigate through the doubts that we have, maybe even some of you 
some doubts that you have this morning, okay? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them over to Psalm 73. We will have the words on the screen for you as well. If you're new to your Bible, you open your Bible to the middle. Um, Psalm 73 will be somewhere around there, okay? We'll start off in Psalm 73, verse 1. And for those of you who are taking notes, the title of today's message is Facing Doubts. And this is the big idea of the message. Doubt is the reality of life exposing the weaker areas of your faith, okay? Doubts are the realities of life that are exposing the weaker areas of your faith and my faith. Now, to give you a little bit of context here, Psalm 73 was written by one of King David's worship leaders, a guy by the name of Ossoff. And Ossoff is writing this psalm in order to be able to encourage people who are wrestling with doubt, especially those who are wrestling with doubting their faith in the Lord. And what we're going to see in this psalm is he's going to express some causes for his doubts, which may be different than some causes that you have for your doubts. But regardless of whether the cause is the same for your doubt as it is for Ossoff's, we can still learn a lot of good things from Ossoff's struggle without his expression of that struggle and how he resolves it. All right, so let's check it out. Here we go. Psalm 73 verse 1 says this, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. He is stating something that he believes is true here. He's starting right off the bat stating something that he believes is true about God. In particular, it's something that he believes is true about the very character of God, which is that the Lord is good. Ossoff believes that the Lord is good, but what you're about to see him do is he's about to admit that that this belief that he has in God is starting to conflict with a feeling that he has in his life. He says this again in verse 1, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart, but as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. When he says my feet nearly slipped, that's a, that's a, a metaphor for him doubting. See, what he's saying is, is that he, he had a point in his life where he was doubting, where his, his feet almost slipped. He slipped, he stumbled, he almost walked away from the Lord. In the New Testament, the Greek word that's often used for doubt is a, is a word dipsychus, and it means, or dipsychosis, however you want to you know, pronounce it. And it means to have two psychos, right? To psychosis, right? To have two minds, two psyches, to be double minded. So, in other words, whenever we doubt, we are double minded. We have two minds, and it's causing us to be uncertain about the things that we believe. Maybe being even uncertain about which way to go in life and where we're to walk in life. Well, Ossoff is about to tell us one of the things that was causing him to have these two minds, this double-mindedness that was causing him to doubt. Verse 3, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. Verse 11, the wicked say, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? Look at the wicked. They are always at ease, and they increase their wealth. Notice that he says that the thing that is leading to his doubt, that is causing his doubt, is that he saw the prosperity of the wicked. As he compares his life to their life, to those that he knows who reject the Lord, he says, you know, I don't, I don't get it. It's not fair, Lord. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why is it that you're allowing those who reject you to prosper, and yet you're allowing those who follow you to suffer? Like, what's the point of me praying? What's the point of me reading the Bible? What's the point of me worshiping and serving the Lord if you're just going to allow those who reject you to prosper and those who follow you to still suffer? It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't make any sense. You ever been there before? 
You ever felt like that before? You ever sat there and wondered in your life before, you know, why does the Lord seem to be blessing everybody else and not me? You ever felt like you're doing everything right in life and yet everything seems to be going so wrong? You ever feel like, man, I'm doing everything right in my relationship with the Lord? Like I'm going to church, I'm praying, I'm, I'm giving to the church, I'm serving in the church, and I'm, I'm doing everything I can to follow and serve the Lord. And yet everything seems to be falling apart in my life. In my life, why, Lord? Why is that happening? This is exactly what Ossoff was feeling in his life. And this feeling that he's having, these experiences of afflictions that he's having, as he compares his hard life with the easy, prosperous life of what he sees of some of his friends who are directing the Lord, it's starting to cause him to doubt the very thing that he originally believed in, which is that the Lord is good to the faithful. See, what he believes is true about the Lord is now conflicting with what he's actually feeling and experiencing in life, and it's causing him to doubt. Verse 13, did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. Verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. I want you to notice that there's two things, a combination of two things that are happening that are really causing his doubt. It's, it's two things. There is a combination of experience and rationalization. Okay, verse 14 says that, that he's afflicted. Well, that's experience. He's expressing what he's feeling, the experience that he has in life. And then verse 16, he says, I tried to understand. Well, that's rationalization, right? He's trying to process. He's trying to think. He's trying to understand why all this is the case. And I think it's important for us to realize that because a lot of times we assume that doubt and skepticism is only an intellectual issue, but it is not. It isn't just an intellectual issue, it is both an experiential and an intellectual issue. For example, I remember one time having lunch with a guy I knew who was an atheist, and you know, I met him, he was fairly new to getting to know him, and when I realized he was an atheist, you know, we went out and we had some lunch together. And and I remember saying to him, I was like, man, I don't, I don't believe that you're an atheist. Like after talking with him, I was like, I don't believe that you're an atheist. And in fact, um, you know, I, I know an atheist when I see one because I was an atheist. And so I don't believe that. And here, here's why. Because I think you believe that God exists. And I think you believe that that God is Jesus. And I think you believe that, that the Bible's true based upon everything that we're talking about. I think you are intellectual. You're smart enough, rationalized enough, and all the evidences that we've discussed here. I think you really understand and believe intellectually that all of this is real. You just don't want to know that God experientially or personally. To which he said, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. I believe that God exists. I believe that that God is Jesus. And I want nothing to do with that God. And so I asked him why. And he said, because God allowed my baby to die. And I want nothing to do with a God like that. And he was hurting. He was grieving over his baby girl that had died. And so I put my hands on his shoulder in that moment. And I said to him, I said, you're not an atheist. You're grieving. You're grieving. 
And so let's talk about your grief. See, what he believed intellectually, he believed the evidences intellectually, but it was conflicting with what he had been experiencing in his life and the hardships he was experiencing in his life, just like Ossoff. My point is this, is that doubt and skepticism isn't just an intellectual issue. It is both an experiential and an intellectual issue. Sometimes your doubt is going to be more experience-driven. Sometimes it's going to be more intellectually driven. You're going to have some intellectual reasons and questions that's going to drive that and propel that forward. But it's always a mixture of both. I am yet to meet a skeptic without affliction. Every skeptic I've ever met has had some sort of experience as well as intellectual reasons that have led to their skepticism. And the same is true for those of us who are believers. Ossoff is a believer, and he is experiencing afflictions, and those experiences of afflictions are starting to influence his thinking. What he has experienced in life is affecting his belief that the Lord is good. It's influencing his beliefs. What are some of your life experiences that have influenced your beliefs. If you are a skeptic, what are some of the life experiences that you've had that have influenced your beliefs? What are some of the life experiences you've had that have influenced your belief about God, your belief about Jesus, your belief about Christians in the church? If you're a believer, what are some life experiences that have affected your belief as well, maybe affected your belief right now because of some experiences you're going through right now, causing you to doubt the goodness of the Lord for you. You know what I sometimes wrestle with? Sometimes uh, yeah, every now and then I'll go through this battle, you know, this woe, I mean, kind of like Eeyore, the donkey, you know, and, you know, and I just go through it. I see the glass is half empty instead of half full. I have people in my life right now trying to remind me to, you know, hey, look at the glass is half, half full, not just half empty, Right? But you know what happens a lot of times in my life? Sometimes I'll think, yeah, you know, Lord, I believe your promise is true. I just don't believe they're true for me. I believe your promises are true for other people. And sometimes I don't believe that this promise over here is true for me. I wrestle with that too sometimes. Here's what Ossoff does to be able to process his doubts, to resolve the doubts that he's dealing with right now. Again, verse 16 says, when I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Notice that he says until in verse 17, which means things were starting to turn for him. Well, what started to cause things to turn? He says, I entered God's sanctuary. I entered the temple, the place where we worship the Lord. And so the first thing that Ossoff does to resolve his, his doubt is, number one, he seeks the Lord. He still seeks the Lord. He still pursues the Lord, even though there's a wrestling in his heart regarding understanding the Lord and why the Lord is doing certain things and allowing certain things to happen in his life. He still goes to the temple. He still goes to the church. He still goes to the place where God's word is preached and where God's word is sung. Listen, it makes sense to me because if you are doubting one of your friends, okay, if you have a friend of yours and you're doubting their good intentions towards you, there is no way for you to be able to see if your, if, if your doubt is accurate or not unless you actually go to them, sit down with them, and have a conversation with them. 
The only way for you to be able to know if your doubts about your friend are accurate is for you to go to them, sit down with them, and have a conversation with them. Ossoff is showing us that we need to do the same thing with our friendship with the Lord. See, a lot of times when people are, are going through doubt or they're going through hardships in life, some people, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll run from the Lord. We stop seeking the Lord, stop pursuing the Lord in our afflictions instead of continuing to seek the Lord in our afflictions. We need to go to the Lord like Ossoff is going to the Lord. We need to go to the Lord instead of running from the Lord. We need to, to sit and converse with Jesus as our friend instead of running and avoiding Jesus like he's our enemy. We need to pray. We need to read our Bibles. We need to ask questions. Go to church, the place where the word of God is preached and sung like Ossoff did. We need to continue to seek the Lord. Again, verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. Indeed, you put them in a slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by their terrors. This is the second thing that Ossoff does to resolve his doubt. Number two, he examines his doubts. He, he first seeks the Lord, and then second, he starts examining his doubts. So he doesn't just doubt. He questions and examines his doubts. At one time, I had a professor of mine in seminary tell me, he's like, Lou, you know, I like you. And I'm like, why do you like me? He's like, because you doubt your doubts. In other words, I will question my doubts. I will challenge my doubts. This is what Ossoff is doing, right? He is, he is questioning and examining his doubts. If you notice throughout the text, he's continuing, I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to understand this. And even to the point to where now he's circling back around to examining the very thing that was causing his doubts to begin with. Right? He is now examining his view. Man, I, you know, maybe I was seeing things wrong. Maybe I was looking at things. So he's examining the friends of his that he knows, the, the people that he knows who's rejected, rejected the Lord and are seeming prosperous in the Lord. And he says, you know, I was wrong in my understanding. I was wrong in how I was viewing their life. They aren't prosperous at all. Because in the end, everything is going to eventually be taken away from them when they die. He says, I, I understood their destiny in other words, all their prosperity is coming to an end because they reject the Lord, which means that they're not going to get to enjoy eternal life in heaven with the Lord. He is examining his doubts. We need to do the same with our doubts. We need to question our doubts just as much as we are questioning the truth. And we need to question our doubts just as much as we are questioning the truth that we are doubting. Here's the third thing that he does, verse 22. I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal towards you, that I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you will take me up in glory. This is the third thing that Ossoff does to resolve his doubt. Number three, he expands his view of God's wisdom. He expands his view of God's wisdom. He says you, to the Lord, he says, you know, you, you hold my right hand. Your counsel guides me. Like a parent taking their child by the hand and guiding them through life, Ossoff is trusting in the Lord's wisdom. He's trusting that the Lord will guide him through life as well. See, a child is, is very young and, and, and still doesn't have a, a lot of wisdom to be able to understand life. You know, a lot of times they think they do, right? Parents, moms, you think they know a lot, right? 
I know what I'm doing. I know you don't have to tell me what they're, you know, so children, right? They have this, you know, they, but they're too young, right? To understand all there is to know about life. And so they need a parent to come in and to take them by the hand and to help guide them through life and to protect them through life. Well, this is what Ossoff is saying. He's saying, Lord, I don't understand everything that's happening in my life. I don't understand what you're doing in my life. But I know that your wisdom is far greater than my wisdom. And so I'm going, I'm going to trust you with my hand. I'm going to trust that, that you are going to guide me in life and your wisdom is going to guide me in life. See, Ossoff is realizing how flawed our wisdom is as humans. We often sabotage our lives. We sabotage our, our wisdom by our own self-seeking desires. But our wisdom isn't just flawed, it's also limited. There's a reason why there were things that you did as a teenager you wouldn't do in your 20s. There's things you did in your 20s you wouldn't do in your 30s. There's things you did in your 30s you wouldn't do in your 40s, and then so on and so forth. Every year, every decade, we are growing in wisdom because our wisdom is limited and we need to keep growing. But the Lord's wisdom, the Lord's wisdom is perfect and infinite, which is why we need to seek his wisdom first, like Ossoff did. We need to seek the Lord's wisdom above all other wisdom because only his wisdom is perfect and infinite. Nobody else's wisdom. See, what Ossoff is doing here is is he's expanding his view of God's wisdom. He's saying, Lord, even though I don't understand everything that's happening in my life, I'm going to trust in your wisdom. You have good reasons and good intentions for the things that are happening in my life, even though I can't understand it all. You know, one of the things that um, I often say is, is that, you know, the wisdom between, if you look at the wisdom between a child and a parent, the distance between that is massive, right? Okay, well, what about then if that's the case, imagine how much more infinitely massive God's wisdom is compared to ours. And so a lot of times when we're facing hardships, which is hard, it's hard, okay? I'm not, I don't, I'm not making light of any hardships that anyone's going in the room here with, okay? So no, I mean, hardships are tough, right? Ossoff is expressing that here. But a lot of times when we're facing hardships, we could think there is no possible reason that God, no good reason that the Lord would allow us to go through what we're going through in this. But if we're talking about an infinitely wise God, then it means that there could be an infinite amount of possibilities and reasons why Lord would allow us to go through something, even if you in your finite mind can't think of one. Just because us in our finite minds can't think of one good reason, that doesn't mean there isn't one that exists. See, Ossoff is realizing that. He's realizing how limited his wisdom is compared to the Lord's, and he's saying, Lord, as hard as it is, I'm going to trust you in this. He's expanding his view of God's wisdom. Y'all know who um, Elizabeth Elliot is? Some of you know who Elizabeth Elliot is. Incredible writer and Christian missionary. She talks about a time when she was visiting some shepherds in the highlands of, of northern Wales. And she said one of the things that she learned when she was there was that their, the shepherds would have to take their sheep every year, once a year, and would have to dip them in a tank of insecticide. And she said it was a very hard thing for the sheep to endure because they literally had to take the sheep by the back legs and submerge them under the insecticide for roughly 10 seconds, some long as 15 seconds. But she said they had to do this to the sheep because if they didn't, the insects would literally 
eat the sheep alive, would literally eat their flesh alive. And so even though it was hard on the sheep, even though the sheep hated it, even though the sheep were sitting there and wondering, why, why is my shepherd allowing this to happen to me? It was still happening for their good, even though they didn't realize it. And so Elizabeth Elliot says, you know, that, you know, this caused me to reflect on my own life and then to realize, you know, the, the Lord is my shepherd and he's a good shepherd and this is what he's been doing in my life. Even though I don't realize it, you know, I'm going through certain things and, and sometimes I don't think it's right, but the Lord knows exactly what I need in my life. And she, and she said, you know, I don't always realize what he's doing, even maybe not for another 20 years or even 30 years. I may not even understand it until I die. But the Lord is still doing it for my good, even when I can't see it. See, Elizabeth Elliot was realizing what Ossoff was realizing. She was realizing that the Lord's wisdom is far greater than a child's, far greater than a sheep's, far greater than anyone else's in this world, including their own. She was realizing that the Lord had good reasons and good intentions for the things that she was going through life, even when she couldn't understand it. Ossoff, his faith becomes better, his faith becomes strengthened, his faith becomes stronger, because he resolves his guilt by first seeking the Lord examining his doubts and expanding his view of God's wisdom. This allows his faith to become strengthened and encouraged. It allows him to still praise the Lord even though he would still face daily afflictions in his life. Listen to what he says to wrap things up. Verse 25. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. Simply put, his faith becomes restored. His belief in God becomes restored again to where he now again believes in the presence and in the goodness of the Lord for his life. And what we're learning through the life of Ossoff is that even believers are going to wrestle with doubt sometimes. But if we are willing to process our doubts with the Lord, then our faith will come out better and stronger compared to if we avoid the Lord when we're facing those hardships. Like Ossoff, we need to expand our view of the Lord and we need to realize that our doubts are exposing the weaker areas of our faith. Our doubts are exposing the areas where our faith needs the most growth in. Do you doubt the Lord whenever something happens to your family? Do you, do you doubt the Lord whenever your finances take a hit? Do you doubt the Lord Whenever your career isn't growing like you had hoped or your ministry isn't growing as you had hoped. Family, finances, and future ministry growth are all things that cause my legs to buckle just a bit, that cause my legs to weaken just a bit, to, to slip like he said, and cause me to start to question and wonder. What are those things for you? What are those areas in your life that cause your leg to just buckle a bit? Your faith to weaken a bit? Some of those things maybe you're going through in life right now that are causing you to doubt the Lord. 
Whatever those areas are in your life, those doubts are exposing the frail areas of your faith. How gracious is the Lord to say, hey, this is an area of your life that is robbing you of joy, and so I want to help you in this. I want to help to grow you in this so that this isn't going to rob you of joy anymore. What are those areas in your life? Your faith will be strengthened and better like Ossoff's. If you seek the Lord, if you examine your doubts, and if you expand your view of God's wisdom. Listen, the big idea of the message is this. Let's have the worship team come on up at this time. This is the big idea of the message. Doubt is the realities of life exposing the weaker areas of your faith and mine. Okay, doubt is the realities of life exposing the weaker areas of your faith. And we want City Awakening to be a place where you can come and you can examine those doubts. We want City Awakening to be a place where both skeptics and believers can seek truth and find joy in community. Do you have questions about life or maybe your purpose in life? Do you have questions about Jesus and maybe why Jesus is allowing certain things to happen in your life? Do you have questions about the goodness of the Lord like Ossoff and wondering why the Lord seems to be pouring out his goodness and blessings upon other people's lives, not as much as yours? Do you have questions about singleness, about marriage, about parenting, about fatherhood, about motherhood? City Awakening, everybody has doubts, everybody has questions and the God of Christianity, Jesus Christ, is, the, is big enough to be able to handle all your questions and doubts. Jesus is big enough. He is kind enough. He is wise enough and loving enough to be able to handle whatever doubts and questions you're wrestling with. See, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is our God. Okay, Jesus Christ is our God, our infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely perfect, infinitely loving God. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus is our God who chose to draw near to us because he loves us and desires to have a relationship, desires to have a friendship with us. If he didn't love us, if he didn't care for us, if he didn't desire to have a friendship with us, then he wouldn't have drawn near to us and he certainly wouldn't have laid his life down for us on the cross. But the fact that he was willing to die for us on the cross, his death on the cross proves his love for us. It proves his care for us. It proves his goodness for us. It proves that he has good intentions for us. It proves that he has good intentions for you. He does not promise to answer every doubt and question that you have in this life. He promises to see you through this life. He promises to give you an eternally joyful life with him if you're willing to put your faith and your trust in him. City Awakening. He has good intentions for your life, even on the days when you're doubting his intentions, okay? Make no mistake, he has good intentions for your life, even on the days when you're doubting his intentions. Let's pray. Jesus, 
You love us so much that you left the goodness of heaven. You left the beauties of heaven to come live here in our fallen world, to not abandon us in sin, to not abandon us in darkness, to not abandon us in the struggles of life. And you were kind enough to, to go to the cross to die the death that we deserve to die for our sins. We don't deserve that. But you love us so much that you, you were willing to sacrifice your life for our life. And then you are willing to rise again on the third day to prove that it's all true and to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us so that we do not have to live a life without you. We do not have to live a life alone. Instead, we can live a life that Isaiah 30, 21 says, whether we turn to the right or left, our ears will hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. Or Galatians 5, 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step by the Spirit. Jesus, may we rely on your Spirit even in the moments that we're doubting. Holy Spirit, please allow the skeptic in the room here to repent of their sins and to turn to you so that you can fill them with your spirit. Allow the believer in the room who's wrestling with doubt to be reminded today that yes, the doubt is hard, but your intentions for them are good and that you have good plans for them and a good future ahead of them and that you love them and care for them and that this can be a place, the church, your church, can be a place where they can express those doubts and not be judged or ridiculed or be told that your faith is horrible because you're wrestling with doubts like Ossoff. No, let Ossoff's text remind us today that you're willing to allow us to express our doubts, but you're also willing to heal our doubts and to not abandon us in our doubts. You have good intentions for us. Jesus, it's in your beautiful name that we pray. Let this song be a reminder to us that the same God that Asaph was seeking in Psalm 73 is the same, same God we can seek today. It's the same God who loves us and cares for us and is here for us today. Amen. Let's stand and worship Jesus.